Good morning. It's Thursday, April 30th. Hard to believe it's the last day of the month, but it is. And we're continuing to read through the Old and New Testaments. And we're trying to get a good overview of all that God has to say. So we're reading a couple of chapters prayerfully, thoughtfully every day. And our two chapters in the Old Testament today are found in 2 Samuel chapters 23 and 24. 23 is David's final speech. We're at the end of the book. Tomorrow starts uh, 1 Kings. But here David gives a final speech shows a a great statement about God's grace in leadership, uh, how he credits God with his victories, with his position. Uh, It's a very humble speech, and it's a good one for us to see how David views everything that he's accomplished in light of God's kindness and mercy to him. David's lieutenants are praised, his uh, captains and uh, the heroism of the people that have been a part of his team, which is a great lesson for us. Whenever there's some kind of of good, virtuous, brave, courageous thing that's done uh, in the teams that you're a part of, in the body of Christ, it's good to recognize those. He talks about those three men that got him that drink of water there in that uh, battle. And anyway, you'll read all about that. But it's a great, great pattern for us to see David not only humbly recognize God's grace, but really wholeheartedly praise the people that have been uh, courageously working on behalf of Israel. David takes a census, which is a terrible way to end this book because we've had so many great things happen in David's life, some sinful things obviously too, but he ends with this census. He takes a counting of the troops and the people of Israel, which is a complete turnaround. Uh, If you read the parallel passage in 1 Chronicles 21 as well, you'll see uh, this is a complete flip-flop on what David had said when he started on the battlefield, at least publicly in Israel, as he takes on the Philistine giant Goliath, and he says, the battle is the Lord's. It's not about armies, it's not about chariots, not about horsemen, it's not about armor or swords. He goes out there with a slingshot, runs toward Goliath, and trusts completely in the Lord. Now, at the end of his life, uh, like a lot of people do, sometimes they, they, not a lot of people do at times, they start to rely on you know, what they've got around them. It's like people up on a high wire or something go, well, I can't believe, look where I am. And they get freaked out. And so David starts to count the people and it was uh, sinful, it was wrong, and it was not good. And God judges him and Israel for it. A lot to learn in that. I know it brings up lots of questions, but a sad ending here to the last uh, scene of David's life. Uh, In Luke chapter 22, we're beginning in verse 31 through 53, uh, Satan, and again, we can't see this in English like we can very well in uh, the Greek language. We can see it clearly in the Greek language. The pronouns shift from a uh, plural second person pronoun, you all, to a singular. And when Satan, when Jesus says about Satan, that Satan wants to sift you all like wheat, but I prayed for you, Peter, uh, that when you turn back. Your faith would not fail. You're going to come back. You're going to strengthen your brother. So I got a job for you. You're going to stumble in Caiaphas's courtyard and deny me three times, which is embedded in that uh, and explained elsewhere. But I, I want you to, to go out there and do your job as an imperfect person, uh, like David had learned to do it season, in seasons of his life. Uh, but just a freaky, scary word there that, that Satan wants to sift you. Uh, not clear exactly what all that means, but it doesn't sound good. And it's a great thing that God is um, hearing the prayer and the intercession of Christ to pray for us in the midst of those trying times. And then sends them out, talks about going out into do ministry for the rest of their lives uh, with the backpack and the knapsack and the, and the sword and the... Um, the um, walking sticks, the staves, uh, whereas before they were told not to do that, like going on missionary trips without any wallet or without any luggage. It's not the way we're supposed to do things normally. That's not the wisdom of Proverbs. And yet 
they had learned to do ministry with one hand tied behind their back and God had always provided. And so now he's saying, get out there, get this done. On the slopes, the upslopes there of the Mount of Olives in what's called the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays that great, uh, uh, terrible, really, uh, scene of him saying, you know, let this cup pass from me. And yet he does that for us. He's arrested and uh, we're going to get the drama of the crucifixion next. Our one another for today, I want you to worry about the concept or think about the concept of loving one another because it is a command. So I put it this way, love one another because Christ commanded it. Uh, John 15, looking at some of the one another's to love each other. And here it says, this is my commandment that you love one another. John 15, 12. Uh, and then he says in uh Verse number 13, greater love is no one than this, that you lay down your lives for your friends. Now you are my friends if you do what I command you. Uh, love often, we think about it as a feeling and affection. There's feeling involved in it clearly, but we don't wait for our feelings to do what God asks us to do in terms of love. Remember, love is a commitment and an action for someone else's well-being. And we are to love the body of Christ, the people in our church, to love them and not wait for feelings. We're doing it if for nothing else, and it should be more than this, but we should certainly do it because Christ commanded it. He says it multiple times here in this section of Scripture. The theme and the directive is to love one another, and he keeps telling us what he's saying. It's not a suggestion. It's not a hint. It's not a recommendation. It is a command. So today, think about what you can do to serve the well-being of someone else in the body of Christ and know you're doing it as a faithful servant of Jesus Christ because he's told you to do it. So tomorrow, we're back into a very thick, dramatic section of Jesus's life, and we'll start the book of 1 Kings tomorrow. We'll be back with you. Be sure to comment if God's working on your heart through the reading of the Word, and um, be sure to subscribe. We'll see you back here tomorrow as we continue to read through the Bible.